Hi there, race fans. I'm Mark Fogarty, and this is the Speed Cafe podcast. My guest is quirky supercar star David Reynolds, for more than a decade, an entertaining enigma. He's known as Crazy Dave for his antics and often indelicate comments. Fans love him because he's fast and fearless, saying what he thinks. At 38, Reynolds is approaching veteran status, but he proved at the Gold Coast he can still win, holding off title favourite Brody Kostecki in the final race. It was a long overdue comeback for Supercar's clown jester, scoring Grove Racing's breakthrough win as he prepares to switch to Team 18 next year. Always entertaining and unfiltered, Crazy Dave doesn't disappoint in this frank exchange. David Reynolds, welcome to the Speed Cafe podcast. Thanks for having me. I appreciate being on here. Well, not for nothing are you known as Crazy Dave, so I don't know. That's because you you gave me that name, I think. (laughs) Well deserved. Never know what to expect. All these years talking to you, it's always an adventure. But anyway. Have I have I changed at all, folks? Have I changed? No, and you've never disappointed. I'll give you that. <laughs> well, that's good. Thank you. I pride myself on my originality. Mm. Yeah, well, you've got that locked in. And uh, speaking of originality, our latest Supercars winner, on the Gold Coast, breaking, well, a surprisingly long drought. How good is it to win a race again? Mate, it feels very, very good. It's been a long time. But when I actually sit down and think about it, it's probably the first time in five years that I actually thought my car could have won that weekend. So, yeah, when you sit down and think about it, it's been about five years since I've had, since I believe I've had a competitive enough car to win a race. And what a way to break that drought. That was an exciting battle with Brody Kostecki, who, well, he's one of the hardest ones out there, isn't he? Yeah, well, he's probably going to be this year's champion. So, you know, he's had a fantastic year. So anytime you can beat those guys, you know, you, you feel really good, but... Um, my car was brilliant in the first two stints, like, and that's what set me up to lead the race and pop out in front of him in the pits. And then in the last stint, I don't know what happened, but my car didn't make as much grip as I thought it was going to do in the first two stints. And it was very, very hard to drive. So I kind of just, I kind of held on for, um, for my life in the last, you know, 10 laps when I got back past him again. Well, it certainly looks like you're going to leave Grove Racing. On a high with a bang, any regrets that this success is, you know, it's what's coming a bit, a bit late. You're off at the end of the season. Um, yeah, not like, you know, regardless if we won or not that round, um, I still would have left with my head held high and a lot of success in our back pocket because, you know, we have cheese a lot of poles, a lot of podiums. We just never got that elusive win, but that's based on a you know, bunch of other things that, that happen to our sport, to our cars and stuff during the year. So, or during my time there. So 
you know, we, you know, last year we had a lot of podiums, few, a lot of seconds, a lot of thirds, a uh, few poles. But um, when you really look at the year, only really one car won most of the races, and that was the 97 car basically dominated. And this year it was dominated by one brand, and we were in the other brand. So it wasn't until the weekend is gone that is actually, you know, sort of semi-level competition where you could compete one for one with the other guys. So... You know, I'm really proud of everything we've done this year. You know, the guys work super, super hard and we've been one of the best performing uh, Ford teams over the year, I think. Um, we've had a few, you know, failures, a few mechanical dramas, a few crashes and stuff. So but that's motor racing. But all in all, I think it's been a, it's been a great year. Well, David, you have had a turbulent career in supercars over well, what is now a surprisingly long time but um mm -hmm. a lot of teams some you've left under a cloud some you may have left um or being pushed out <laughs> i don't know how do you look back on your career i mean some big wins but i don't know a lot of list it seems a lot of missed opportunities yeah um to be honest mate i haven't really looked back on it and thought too much about it I kind of just live for the now and the future. So um, if I was just think about it, I've had a lot of bad luck. A lot of things haven't gone my way and um, won some big races and and lost some big races too. So, um, you know, motor racing is a very, very hard sport. You know, it's not like um, football or cricket or whatever other sport most people play, you know, it's, you know, you play one side against the other and you've got a 50% chance of winning. In our sport, there's 25 other blokes, so you've got like a 4% chance of winning just based on the numbers. So it's a, it's a much harder sport to to win and, you know, it really comes down to the machinery and the team behind you. Like, you know, when we won the Gold Coast, I've put no different... Everyone in our team has put no extra effort in um, or less effort in from for that race and they have all the other all the other races gone past this year so it it's a funny thing you put the same amount of effort in to come 10th than you do first it's just you know a few things happen along the way to sort of get you there um, and some teams are really good at it and other teams are not good at it um, but yeah when I look back at my career mate I've, I've had a great career I still love my sports, still love being involved, still love being competitive. Um, I still believe I'm fast, one of the fastest out there. And, yeah, we'll we'll roll on to Charlie's next year and try and win some races. Yes, well, we'll get to that move that you're about to make to Team 18. But you certainly rise to the big occasions and, you know, your main successes have been at Mount Panorama, uh, but also on the uh, Serpent Paradise. The bigger races. Yeah, well, but it's, you know, that's a real driver's circuit. So, and among them, I mean, you, for what of a bit term, you first really hit the headlines back in 2012, where you oh so narrowly lost that battle with Jamie Wincup for the Bathurst 1000 that went right down to the last lap. Um, yeah. I don't know. You say you don't look back on things, but you had a couple oh, of shots. I'm... You had a couple of shots to win that thing, didn't you? Uh, I had one decent opportunity and it was pretty much on the last lap down Mountain Strait and I got a really good run out of turn one 
And I wish, if I had my time again, I wish I just bombed him down the inside and see what would have happened. But, you know, it's a long, long ass day. It was my first supercar podium. And yeah, I, sh- you know, your, life, your life's full of regrets. If you don't have regrets, you've done a lot of things wrong in your life, I think. So we've done a lot of things right. Hang on. I'm confusing myself here. <laughs> Um, yeah, that was that was probably one that got away. Obviously, 2018 was one that got away. That should have been an easy win for us. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I always seem to go really good at the bigger races, the big TV events, the bigger tracks. The harder the, the, harder the track, the more I go, the better I go. The smaller tracks, like I, I, I don't know, I struggle to not get motivated for it, but to, I don't know, just... I don't know why I just don't go good for go go good in the smaller tracks. It's always the bigger tracks and the bigger races I go good at. But that's just fundamentally being part of me, I suppose. You mentioned Bath of eighteen, which well, that's got to be a heartbreaker. I mean, oh, the worst. You had it, you had it shot to pieces to go back to back, and then, well, what ha- what ha- what happened? I mean, you 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 had a physical breakdown in the car, didn't you? Basically. Uh, yeah, my brain started shutting past my body down because it was you're just um, exhausted, basically. And um, if we didn't win the year before, we would have cleaned that year up. No worries. The problem is, you know, when you win the year before, when you win Bathurst, you know, going into that round, you go on this like huge media tour, and um, I just expended all my energy to do, you know, thirty-five different appearances over three days. And I was exhausted at the end and I just couldn't recover. So then I had to turn up for practice, qualify, race, shoot out, everything like that. And I slept really badly, um, just stressed myself out too much, put too much pressure on myself because um, I knew like I knew something bad was going to happen that weekend and I didn't know quite what it was going to be, but I didn't realise it was going to be something like that that was going to stop, stop us from winning the race. But you know, we had the fastest car all all week, all weekend, fast car in the race, led 130 laps or something like that, and failed in the last in the last stint. But um, yeah, that's that's just part of being uh, an athlete. You got to man- learn to manage your energy, and you got to learn to say no to a lot of things. And um, it might piss people off, but it's it's you know if every time you say yes to interviews or TV stuff or anything like that, you know I'm not. I might seem an extroverted person, but it takes me a lot to get there. And, um, yeah, we just didn't manage my energy well for that week. And, yeah, I just – I had an expi- expiration time in the car and it was, unfortunately, when we had the best car. <laughs> but that's, uh, that's you know, you got to learn through all these experiences. And if I was to go through that something like that again, I would um, speak up and say, hey, probably shouldn't do so many – of this, you know, media stuff and probably focus more on my job. Well, it must have been soul destroying and, and but you did you bounced back and that period was your peak with Erebus Motorsport, but it started to go mm. wrong. Is that where it started to go wrong or what happened there? I mean, you were on that supposed, you know, ten year lifetime contract. Yes. Um, no, not really. Like that was just, you know, that's just part of motor racing, I think, or part of running, being part of a bigger team that, you know, um, 
you know, they probably learn how to manage driver's energy a lot better after that. And I probably should learn to speak up and say, hey, I probably don't need to do all these appearances because, um, you know, they do wear you out. You know, it's talking to people if you're not, you know, it, it, just doing everything, doing, doing, doing that is just, it just takes a lot out of you. And I suffered something called adrenal fatigue and um, I had no adrenaline basically to keep pumping through my body and it was just shut, shutting bits down. But um, that wasn't the straw that broke the camel's back with that team. But, yeah, our car was like A team. We had the ZB, obviously. That was, you know, on the good side of the parody. Um, we had the, these magical twin springs in the car that were, you know, working a treat. And we had all these funky sort of engineering bits in the car that were really, really cool. And, um, you know, obviously 19, that got taken out and our car suffered a bit and then obviously the Mustang came in and it was, you know, it won most of the races that year. So, uh, yeah, after that it was quite difficult. Mm. Um, look, I've got to ask Betty Klemenko, which she's a character and you would have thought yeah, it was she's a, match, yeah, a match made in heaven. Yep. Harry Ryan, some people would say he's hard work. Did you fall out with either of them? Um, I don't really know what I'm allowed to say, but I, I truly love Betty and Daniel. I reckon they're two of the best people I've met in pit lane. Um, still have a lot of love for them. They're fantastic. Still talk to them. Um, they're you know, soul of the earth type people. I really enjoy their their um company. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know what I'm allowed to say here. So, um. How about we just leave it at that? I think you may have <laughs> I think you may have said enough. All right. Well, as you suggested early on, I'm not sure if I can take credit, but Crazy Dave, for good reason. You've never been far from controversy and you've certainly never been afraid <laughs> to say what you think. But, you know, among the highlights of many have been your your podium antics, and we saw the latest of that in <laughs> Paradise when you let loose with the fire extinguisher. That, that's probably one of the more tame ones. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it started back at, well, it was Bathurst on the podium, and you uh, grabbed a Channel 7 mic and hurled it into the crowd, which 7 probably wasn't too happy about. But No, then... I got an invoice for that one too. <laughs> oh, did you? What are yeah, they worth? Oh, it was two thousand bucks plus GST. Wow. Oh well. I know. Certainly made an impression. Then we've had pot plants off the podium at uh, Service Paradise, but um, I don't know. We probably forget now that you popularised the shoey. I with your was one of the original creators. Yes. Yeah. You did borrow that from Ryle Harris, though the uh, V8 Utes driver, didn't you? I did. I saw him do it in Perth, which is like the round before, I think. And I said to myself then, if I like looking at it, like if I win a race, I'm going to do that. And then sure enough, I won um, the next race we went in. So I'm like, oh, I have to do it now. And then it exploded. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I, I just, obviously, when you win a race, you get very happy and you just celebrate and do whatever you can to celebrate and. I don't know, just make it fun and enjoyable. Because and, I see everyone else get up there and they just get their trophy and it just kind of looks really boring. And I don't want to be boring. I want to be, I want to be different. 
I want to have fun and enjoy my life. So I'd try and do whatever I can to to do that. Uh, the fire extinguisher was very spur of the moment. Um, Jesse Yates has asked me in the view, have you got anything planned? And I'm like, far out, I don't have anything. And I looked around and I saw that fire extinguisher. I'm like, oh, that's my ticket. But when I got up there, I thought it was going to go completely different. Um, I thought it was a CO2 canister and it was going to like douse everyone in like smoke and I was going to walk through like Harry Houdini and like the showman. And um, yeah, no, it turned out it was uh, like the the soapy water ones and I was like bitterly disappointed when it came out. I was like, oh no, that sucks. But uh, I still played it up and had a bit of fun and yeah, it was cool. Well, you obviously like being... Well, sometimes we've also called you the court jester of supercars, but the showman. I'm, so... I'm, also, I'm also the prophet, also like Nostradamus type figure, aren't I? Oh, prophesizing things, yeah. Yes, very much so. And how does that work? Um, not very good. People don't like to hear the truth before it becomes apparent. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's fine, sometimes it's not. Depends yeah. on what you're talking about. Yeah, well, being a straight shooter can be very costly, though, can't it? Back in, what was it, 2015, there was, uh, well, you got a lot of grief for what was termed a sexist comment about yep. the uh, all-female entry at Bathurst for yep. uh, Simona Di Silvestro and Renee Gracie. That was a that was almost thousand dollar fine. Yes, I know. Thanks, folks, for reminding. Yeah, sorry, you were going to say? Well, it's almost 10 years ago that happened and people still talk to me about it and still shout it at me. It's hilarious. <laughs> For pretty good reason, I would have thought. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, it's a great line, particularly if, you, if you'd if you see, what, what was the movie? It was Kill Bill it was from, wasn't it? Kill Bill, yeah. I love Kill Bill. Yeah. No, but it's, so, and that 25K fine, I still... I think it's still the largest. What happened to it? There, there was a bit of controversy about paying it and where the money went. Um, so, yeah, well, part of it, I just I said, can you give half of it to charity? And that's, I think, CAMS. I had to pay it to CAMS um, directly. Um, but, like, I always look at the positive side of life, folks. So, you know, obviously it's a tax deduction because it's a – made up fabricated fine it's nothing it's not real by the government or you didn't speed or anything like that it's a it's a price of doing business so it's a large tax deduction on my end and i paid it on my um my credit card so i've got a lot of Qantas frequent fire points out of it so um yeah i always look at the positive side but i think it went to cams and then they use it for whatever they do um but I think half of it did go to a charity. I think I, I never. I'm not sure if I got that confirmed. It was that long ago. I forgot, but um, I hope it did. Mm, well, hopefully, after all, it, it, some of it did go to a good cause. And of course, for some of our younger listeners, CAMS, the Confederation of Australian Motorsport, is what we know oh, yeah. today as Motorsport, Motorsport Australia. Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's hard once things change their name and they've been that name, that previous name for so long to sort of get it out of your head. So, yeah, yeah anyway, there, there might be someone listening who doesn't might uh, not know what I was talking about. Because well, uh, our extremely young demographic, of course, we're, extremely we get, young. We, we get to the kids. 
All right. So, yeah, I don't think we're uh, we're not going to stop you from saying what you think, and uh, and and that's a very very good thing. Now, let's talk about next year off to Team Eighteen. Yeah, an in- an interesting move. Many would suggest a big risk. Uh, yeah, I suppose any anything you do in life, there's a risk. Um, but it's how you make that risk work for you pays off the best. If you don't take risk, you don't you don't profit. I like to say, you know, the yeah, the bigger the risk, the bigger reward. So, um, yeah, obviously, um, I'm leaving Groves, which you know, which is it's quite sad because I get along with those guys really well. I find them very good to deal with, and the team's fantastic. Great, great bunch of guys. Um, you know, had a lot of success, everything, but um, really looking forward to going to Charlie's. I've always loved Charlie ever since I I was alongside him in 2013 when he joined um, to make the fourth car at Tickford Pro Drive or FPR or whatever they were called. Um, I always got along with him really well and thought he was a great character and, you know, good businessman, runs a great business, runs a great team now. He went out by himself to form his own Team 18 uh, some time ago now. And um, Mark Winterbottom is my old my old mate from that team, from FPR back in the day. And he has a glowing review of that place. So, you know, it didn't didn't take me long to make a decision to, um, to move. And, you know, a lot of it had to do with, you know, uh, Mark's recommendation, um, Charlie himself and uh, one of my old, um, how would you say, number one mechanics or workshop mechanics, Dennis, he's there as well. And, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to joining and I can't wait to start. Well, it's certainly going to be an interesting combination. You know, Frosty has been embedded there and vastly experienced and a former teammate of yours. Yes. But the both of you are going to go into next year with a huge amount of experience. How do you, well, you obviously think you're going to work pretty well with Frosty and lift that operation together. Yeah, I think so. Like, you know, last time we, we drove together, I was, you know, in the same team, he won the championship. I finished third. And, um, that was through a lot of teamwork and, and just pushing each other as hard as we could. So, you know, it's everything's possible again. You know, experience really it really counts in this category in these cars because they're very, very finicky and very hard to drive and hard to set up. And um, you know, the races are long. There's a lot of tricks to the races, and you know, he knows them probably better than anyone else in the category. So, I'm really looking forward to joining him and the team itself. And I can't. I hope we can win some more races because winning is a lot of fun. A really fun thing to do. And um, you know, part of my rationale to join that team was, you know, it was a bit of a, it was the Camaro as well. I just, you know, this year the it's, it, un, until the Gold Coast, the Camaro has been a whitewash and won all the races. Um, and you know, that that sort of gives me the best opportunity going into next year, being in the Camaro, I think. But you know, maybe the category might, um, they might redesign a few things over the over the break and. And make it a bit more even than it has been this year. So, you know, if that happens, that's that's fine. I, I actually look forward to the more competition and um, the equal. Hopefully, it's going to be a bit more equal. 
Well, I really hope my, so because my kid's just yelling in the background. If you can hear him, no. Um, yeah. Well, everyone's hoping that this parody saga will end, and it'll just be down to racing next year. But I mean, the reality is, for all the you know complaints and everything, from the Ford drivers' point of view, you have been racing with almost one arm tied behind your back, haven't you? Yeah, correct. Yep, and that was pretty evident from the first test day. Hmm. So, what, what is the big difference? I mean, well, this is the irony of it. It's a very small difference. <laughs> but what is that small difference in you know when you're out there racing? What is that small difference that makes the big difference? Well, the the, the small differences, the only differences are the engine and the aero. The you know the aero package, I suppose. Um. You know, obviously, there's there's the Ford engine, the Camaro engine, the Camaro body, the Ford body, and they're with everything being the same underneath now. You know, these have highlighted how big of a differences they are between the two. Um, obviously, the the Ford engine is a little bit slower down the straights. Um, it's a you know, it's a it's a larger engine. There's a lot more probably moving parts in there when you think about it. Um, the Camaro engine is a smaller engine. It's probably going to spin up faster or whatever like they can make the same power but you know fundamentally one's going to always be better than the other um and well that's my belief i don't know if that's actually true or not but i'm not an engine builder i'm just a driver at the end of the day uh the bodies are you know very different to look at very different performing wise uh this year you know the the fords had a bit more front aero but you know it's lost a lot of rear in in your so when the car turns in we lose a lot more rear downforce than the Camaro so in qualifying it's easy to mask when you put new tires on because you get a lot more rear grip and it's it can turn the Ford car so that's why we can sort of qualify on pole here and there and match them in qualifying but in the races over 20 30 40 laps um, rear stability becomes a big problem in our cars and it wears out the tires very quickly and we can't just we can't hold the pace as the Camaro does. So, you know, the category have really helped us out this year and they've tried to make a few substantial changes to the engine itself and to the aero package itself. And um, the, for the first time at the Gold Coast, I think it was a lot better for us as far as stability goes over the, over the races. Um, you know, we talk, you know, milliseconds a lap and it adds up to seconds over the race, so... You know, a small, small change can make a big difference to the outcome. Well, it's going to be very interesting to see if those gains made a surface translate to the Adelaide street circuit and what that'll do to the competitive, competitive order, you know, particularly in the context of, you know, the championship battle between Brody Kostecki and Shane Van Gisbergen. Yep, correct. It's, it's, um, it's, you know, one race is not going to solve it, but it sort of it shows that you know it's sort of in the right direction. If you know what I mean, um, there's still I think there's still a lot they can they can do and map and and collect data on and analyze and interpret. So you know maybe by the end of the year, um, if they do the wind tunnel testing, they they might show that the Ford is actually better in the Terra package than the Camaro. But who knows? You never know until it until it actually happens. Okay, so you're 38. Yep. 
I think you've signed with Team 18 for, what, two years? Um, yeah, possibly. Okay. So the yeah, famous <laughs> multi-year contract. Um, yeah. But do you see getting, you know, well, you're, how long do you see yourself continuing to race? Um, well, age is not really a thing in our sport. It's, it is for other sports, but in our sport, it's not really, um, it's not really a thing. I don't, I don't believe, um, I think experience is much more important in our sport than youth. You know, the only problem is when you get a bit older, other things play a factor in your life, whether you still want to race, which I do, and you still want to win, which I do, and you still want to be fast, which I do. Those are the questions you have to answer yourself. And there's obviously some other factors in your life that become a bit more important, family, kids, um, business, um, you know, the stress of motor racing, um, the toll it takes on your body and your mind and, you know, doing all the appearances, talking to all the fans, you know, it all can take a toll on you. You know, some people, for some people, that's a lot harder than others and that's why they sort of bow down a bit earlier or bow out a bit earlier. But for me, mate, I still enjoy doing every part of it, so I don't, I won't be stopping anytime soon that I know of. And you are a family man, which yes, that has its own demands, but it doesn't slow you down, does it? No, not at all. Like raising kids is the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> um, they are, they test you a lot especially when you're busy and, you know, you know, you need to make time for them because they're, you know, they're your life, they're your lifeblood, they're everything to you. And I love them so much. It's ridiculous. Um, yeah, they, they really put your life in perspective. And that's, that's a big thing that happens when you get a bit older, you want to spend less time at work and more time with your family. And that's only natural. Um, but, you know, for me, I've, I've got to pay for these kids. So I need to win races to pay for them. That's the only thing I can do. That's a good incentive, isn't it? It is very good, yes. All right. Crazy Dave Reynolds. Yes. Never fail. You never fail to entertain. You're always upbeat. Good to chat. Thanks for your time and your insight. No. Thanks, folks. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Crazy Dave never ceases to tell it like it is. That's it for now. I'll be back on Monday with all the latest breaking news on the Speed Cafe newscast. In the meantime, for coverage of all the major racing action around the world at speedcafe.com. And don't forget the Grassroots Racing Podcast, presented by our national racing gurus, Gary O'Brien and Darren Smith. They talk with Australian rally legend Dean Herridge, who is a great personality. I'm Mark Fogarty. Thanks for listening. You've just listened to a Speed Cafe Pod Hub production.